I mean, bam, we're live. I forgot to put myself in the podcast. I'm here. Nick Rodriguez, where are you, brother? Where are you? Okay, guys, I got to pay attention to this YouTube show. Uh, it's cool that my live on my Instagram is working. Yeah, just coffee. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I will see you guys on the Sevon podcast if you want to continue this talk. Uh, tell Danielle not to forget to milk. Yeah, I, I'm going to try to patch Danielle Brandon into this show at like the one hour mark because uh, kind of just because I want to see what happens when you mix like Superman with Superwoman on the same podcast. Uh, Danielle Brandon is like sh she's oozing Superwoman and this guy Nick Rodriguez is oozing Superman. So I just kind of wanted to bring them together. I don't know. I, it's, it's not like I'm trying to be Cupid or anything, but I, I just kind of want to see my own personal experiment, what that would be like. All right, guys, I'm going to go over to uh, YouTube and see what's up with Nick Rodriguez. Discard video. My attention is undivided for the YouTube audience. All the notes for Nick Rodriguez almost didn't fit on two pages. Um, I don't know. At the one hour mark, we got catfished. Catfished? At the one hour? I don't know what that means. Uh, I, I, oh, there he is. Holy shit. What's up? What's up? Hey, I want, uh, uh, Nick, good morning. What's happening, buddy? Good morning. Uh, where are you? Are you can you see me? I can. Oh, I'm in the bathroom. Best lighting in the house, you know? <laughs> Did you wake up? Oh, yeah, for sure. Did you have coffee yet? No, no, not yet. Do you want to go make a cup? I can hang tight. No, no. I, uh, coffee's a, an occasional kind of deal. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a what? An, an occasional kind of deal. Not like an everyday thing. Yeah. So it's, coffee's a party drug for you? Yeah, pretty much. Like instead of doing cocaine, I just go coffee and hit the club. Damn. Yeah. Damn. You're a mom and dad's wet dream. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I have three little boys. Oh, my God. I hope my boys talk like that. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, are you are you in Austin? Yeah, yeah. Living in Austin full time. Uh, by the way, my name's Sevon. Nice to meet you, Sevon. Nice to meet you. All right. <laughs> nice to meet you. I, um, I watched your podcast with uh, Chambers. And mm -hmm. with Mark Bell, fuck, those guys are good. Mark Bell picked you. If you're a piece of chicken, you're just a, the bone is left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark's, Mark's good. Mark and uh, and Mr. Chambers, pretty good podcast. It'd be nice to do it in person one day. You know, maybe I'll fly out to Cali one day. Um, or or drive. Or drive. It's kind of a hike, but or drive. I did drive to to Austin from uh from Jersey, so it's about twenty five hours. Did you do that because you had a bunch of shit to take with you, or is it because you just didn't want to get on a plane? No, I uh, yeah, I had I had like beanbag chair, a beanbag and mattress, and a bunch of bunch of shit from my other apartment. I had to drive on down. I I, I don't fly just because I'm a, I'm a bitch. I'm not doing any of the. I'm gonna get in a in an argument with someone. I was gonna say a fight, but then I remembered who I was talking to. What the stuff <sighs> I do isn't fight. It's more like a cat fight. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, I'd much rather drive than uh, than flight. You know, if it's a three hour drive versus three hour flight. I'm probably on the road. I was in I was in the shower this morning, and you just rolled out of bed, so you didn't get your time to think in the shower. I was in the shower this morning, and I was doing my thinking, and I was thinking like, you know, all these words we have, they're just like they just point at shit, right? Like if you sit on something, we call it a chair. 
If you call someone your brother, it's just some dude who came out of your mom's vagina, the same vagina you did. You know what I mean? They're just words that like describe this shit that we just don't want to say out in full sentences. And then I was thinking about like um, spanking, like there's this word spanking and it means like the kid got hit, but it really, like, and I have three boys. I know what a spanking is. A spanking is when the parent loses control and gets pissed and you hit the kid. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I'll, and I'll, and, and then there's levels to that. Like my parents spanked me, but like, it was like, Hey, get the wooden spoon. And then I had to go get it. And then like, they hit me once and I run away. Hmm. Did you, did you get spanked? Uh, a couple times. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fast learner. So I'm like, all right, I did something wrong to get to deserve this. So let's not do that again. Yeah. That kids are interesting like that. Uh, no, but, but, but isn't that weird? No matter what a kid does, you think you deserve it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Like you could have the most horrible shit happen to you in life and you're like, fuck, I deserved it because that's all, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Life's, life's pretty simple, man. Yeah. Um, in, are your parents together? Yeah, for sure. I come from a real good family, real close, tight knit, tight knit family. And, and what ethnicity are you? Puerto Rican. No shit. Yeah. More, more Jersey than anything, but definitely Puerto Rican. That's, that's official now. Is it yeah. New Jersey? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, are Puerto Ricans supposed to be big like you? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, I, I was in Puerto Rico. I was definitely the the biggest guy out there. I mean, there was a few like bigger guys, but the island's kind of malnourished. Everybody over there just kind of eats real bad food and and they're pretty small, small people. Uh, what are Puerto Ricans? You know how like Mexicans are basically uh, Native Americans that got raped by Spaniards and then they just like they're like, all right, that's not cool. Let's just give them a new name. And what are what are Puerto Ricans? What's the I think they got raped by Spaniards as well. Spaniards, the French. Um, um, yeah, it's a it's like a kind of a, it's a port, you know, so we have a bunch of different ethnicities that kind of mix together. You have every you have all the all the colors over there, everything from as white as you get to as dark as you can get. And are they little people? They're little I would say uh, it's a, a wide variety. I'd say more more wide. There are a lot of a lot of uh, obese Puerto Ricans I've seen. I mean, I've I've lived there for like six months, and it was like a really unhealthy island. Like there weren't there weren't like fit people, um, a lot of greasy food and and whatnot. By the way, we're live, so there's all sorts of just comments pouring in someone suggesting this is the first interview from a bathroom. It's not. It, I don't know if that's true. It, it might be true. I, I interviewed Sam Apple, the author of a book, and it sure he denied he was in the bathroom, but it sure looked like. He was in the <laughs> and do yeah, you know I mean, who? Um, do you know who Paul Saladino is? Uh, no, I don't. He's the carnivore MD. Okay. It, you, you, and he sells those um, ancestral supplements, or no, no, he sells the one heart and soil supplements. It's like basically organ meat and a pill. Is that a uh, GSP was doing something with that guy, right? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, uh, I inter- he he lives in Costa Rica. And when I interviewed him, he was my first shirtless interview. The doctor came on. I put on a collar shirt because I was interviewing a doctor. Yeah, this fucking dude comes with no shirt on. Oh damn! I uh, <laughs> I thought it was gonna be the first shirtless uh, interview. No. Maybe maybe if I get on Rogan one day, I'll just pop the top. Maybe we'll get some more views like that. Um, what? And you are gonna be on Rogan soon. What's the guy's name who who interviews with Mark Bell? Oh, Insima. Uh, and SEMA. Yeah, yeah. Guy's Jack too. He's my height. He's like six three, but he's like two hundred and sixty pounds. Massive guy. And he's nat- and he's natural. Like one of, probably one of the best natty physiques I've seen. How do you know that? He tw- he he talks about that. He says he's natural. 
Yeah, he talks about it, and you—you, you, I mean, to me, I mean, I'm not a, an expert, but he looks like he's—he's he's natural. I mean, he has like everything's really well proportioned. The skin isn't like you know all leathery and and pimpled up and stuff. And uh, and I feel like guys that do get to get on gear have like have like maybe they have huge huge shoulders and like small biceps or like big forearms and little wrists. I don't know. Like, there's always something that's a little off. You know, I'm not again. I'm not no expert. Just like I, I'm around guys that do a lot of that shit. In what do they do? What what do jujitsu guys do? Like, what's do they? Is it like uh the only thing I know is um the old guys I know do uh what is it human growth hormone and testosterone replacement therapy and then like uh one of the crossfitters i know who got popped um was doing sarms is there like is there like something that jujitsu guys do or, or like you know i know the um the tour de france guys do that uh epo is there something uh, that like jujitsu guys do uh if i had to guess i probably they probably do it all i mean there's not like there's no regulations like you're not supposed to do gear but nobody tests these guys so they're just they just do whatever they want i think it's like like I don't, I don't care. Like I, most of the guys that compete against are on, uh, you know, are on gear. But I think uh, jujitsu is so like such a technical sport that like, you know, a little bit of strength doesn't really matter. If you have, if you have the knowledge, that's what that's what's going to win you the fight. Amazing coming from the guy who stormed the scene with such limited knowledge, right? Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. So says the guy who was rolling with Gordon Ryan at eight weeks. Yeah, I had I I went to the first ADCC. I I had no idea what like how to do any jiu-jitsu really. The only thing I had, I was like, if if I could get to the back, I know I could like finish these guys. Um, but yeah, it's rough. do you know what ADCC stands for? Abu Dhabi Combat Club. Abu Dhabi Combat Club. Club. Okay, I've watched like a hundred videos now. Just going through uh, your new new channel. What is it? Count Count Films. Yeah, yeah, Count, count Films. Flow Grappling. I watched all the Daisy the Daisy Fresh stuff. <laughs> I'd watch all your stuff. Anything I could find in you, and everyone just calls it ADCC. I'm like, you motherfucker! Someone needs to say the whole <laughs> thing. Does anyone ever say that? Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm headed out to the Abu Dhabi. What is it? Something Club. Co- Combat Club. Combat Club. No one ever says the whole thing out loud. <laughs> no, no, it takes too much time. I um I so let's so let's so you're born in Jersey, mm-hmm. and how and how many kids? Um, I have uh two older brothers and one little sister. Oh wait a second, is Jay your brother? Yeah, Jay Jay Rod Jacob is my little brother. I have one older brother, and then I have a little sister as well. Oh okay okay. I thought you said you had two older brothers. I was like, Jay's yeah. older than you. What the fuck? Yeah, I think I did say that. It just came out a little wrong. Okay, and um, and and so so and what's the oldest one? How much older than you? Ice uh, five years, so he's and like thirty. And your sister? Uh, she is ten years younger, so she's like fifteen. All the same parents. Yeah. Oh, my oldest. My oldest. Son, we have the same dad. He's a he's a half brother. Wow, that's amazing. And then your par- and your parents are still together. Yeah, yeah, no, super close. They love each other, which is hard to find, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and and what city in Jersey was that in? Um, Clayton, New Jersey. It's uh, it's in Gloucester County, far far down south. It's like uh, you know, Cape May is the lowest point of Jersey, and we're like uh, I don't know, forty five minutes from there. So real, real real down south. A lot of farmland. Like North Jersey is real real city, real heavily populated. Like I'm from uh, 
small town. My my school graduated seventy five kids when I uh, when I graduated high school. So real real small. So I was like uh, determined to kind of see the world, get out get on out there, you know. And, and what is your dad dad mom and what are the what do your mom and dad do their vocation? Uh, mom's a uh, stay at home mom, um, and uh, we're we're much needed because we're a very hyperactive you know group of group of children. And uh, dad flips houses for a living. Oh, that's awesome! Do you know how to do that? Um, I mean, I've le- I've learned a ton. Like uh, you know, when I grow up, since I could hold a hammer, I've been you know helping dad out. Uh, you know, doing hardwood floors and sheetrock and concrete work. So I uh, I have a a little bit of knowledge how to you know work my way around uh, some construction type stuff. Um, I think it's awesome, and then on the other hand, I, I don't think it's awesome. I the house I live in, I bought for one point two million, and the guys before me bought it for five sixty nine, and then flipped it, and I was the guy who bought it. Like, yeah, <laughs> fucked. Yeah, I, I uh, fucked so hard. I I plan on buying a house like here in Austin, but, you know, maybe in the next uh, year or two because the markets you're gonna blow up. But the plans to buy buy you know a little beat up house and you know slowly but surely fix it up and you know, make a profit off it and keep on keep on flipping it like that. Guys, uh, if you have not seen this 40 minute documentary about, um, Nikki Rodriguez, it's on YouTube. You can just type in Nick Rodriguez. It's like 42 minutes about it's in, it's all in black and white. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully edited. There's something about, um, it, it's funny to see him just that, you know, two minutes after he rolls out of bed, um, you have to see this and you have to, this is not someone you want to um, not have experience. It doesn't matter if you're into BJJ or whatever the fuck you're interested in. You're a man of the robe or a CrossFitter. Um, he's not normal. He 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 he's he's like the male version of of Daniel Brandon. He reminds me. Do you know who Travis B- Bajent is? The arm wrestler. Uh, mm, the name sounds familiar. I do watch some arm wrestling on YouTube. Um, there's this uh, there. I made a movie a few years ago um, named called Pulling John. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance, check it out. You'll like it. it it's it's arm wrestling. I, I don't know how uh, like combat guys think of arm wrestling because no one gets punched in the face or gets their arm broken. But Travis reminds me so much of you. And uh, I called him the other day and I was like, dude, I'm going to have and I sent him the video. He goes, oh, yeah, I know who Nick Rodriguez is. I'm like, dude, he reminds <laughs> me so much of you when you were 25. Yeah, that's what's up. You're just sure. You're just sure what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, when I'm when I'm uh, competing, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any doubt. You know, when I step onto the mat, um, I'm probably uh, maybe could people consider overly confident. Like I'm not even. Got to be honest. Like, when I step onto the mat, I'm not really uh, a human anymore. I kind of make a transition to, to something else. But I'm just a normal dude. You know, uh, outside of my uh, my grappling expertise, for sure. Uh, when you when you transition to that other thing the first time that happens are you like what the fuck is going on who is this guy did you when did you meet that guy um i uh i guess it's a it's a learning process to to try to find out who i have to become when i'm when i'm on the grappling mat like you know i've wrestled for a long time uh in high school in jersey in college i did a year and uh you know had hundreds of, of wrestling matches and throughout throughout the the process, you know, you learn what kind of mentality that you need before you're stepping uh, on the grappling mats, and uh, and uh, it's just a uh, it's just uh, yeah, you know, like Mike Tyson says, you know, he says he's a god before he steps out into the ring, and uh, I like to embody some something like this, something similar to that before before my grappling matches. It's uh, I think it's there's a you have to have a balance like. Like sometimes it's hard to shut off like that uh, that ego, you know, when you when you're leaving, when you're leaving practice or leaving, uh, 
leaving a match. It's really important to to be uh, be kind of human, you know, after the after the the competition and what stuff and, and stuff like that, because it's it's not good to be a douche all the time, you know. If you're just like your ego's up here and you're and you're walking around and you're you're just walking around Walmart thinking you're the shit, it's really not the best way to live life. I switched your name. Is that does that have your Instagram right? Yes, it does. Like you're out two four seven. Um, it's interesting you say that because I have this note in here, and he goes, he leverages his ego marvelously. I I, I I pride myself on also being able to leverage my ego. Basically, by that I mean you don't care about being. Uh, for me, I don't care about being right. I need to get what I want, mm-hmm. and um, and so. I, in that video, that's what's so awesome. Well, as I got to know you, that's what's so awesome. You're so humble, but you can see your ego is you're you're using your you're being humble because you know in the end you need to get the knowledge and the practice and the wisdom. You need to get somewhere. Yeah, I don't think if you can learn if you have a, if your ego's on. You know, if you're like if you're just uh, yeah, if you're a little if you think too much of yourself, it's hard to to really learn it and understand that there's, there's more knowledge to be, uh, to be learned out there. My favorite part of the movie, um, is when you beat the guy, I forget his name. I don't, I think his, maybe his name is cyborg. He's, he's pissed and you walk by him and you're holding water and you're with your, is that guy your coach? Is it, what's that guy's name? Is his name Jay? Yeah. Jay Regalbudo. Yeah. He's my coach. Yeah. Are you still friends with that guy? Yeah, for sure. We talk all the time. Yeah, that guy seems like a cool dude to have with you in an event like that. Yeah, most definitely the best. Um, you walk by that guy and he says something like, good job, but you didn't win. And there's a split second there where your body turns around. It's like a um, – I just love that to look at him. And you're basically <laughs> like, what did you say? But it just reminds me of like um, – just a big aircraft carrier that has to turn around and point all its guns at something. And it's like, you just come so present. Um, do you remember that moment when he said, Oh that? yeah. And yeah. Just that sure. feeling. Cause you were saying about how you have to turn your ego off as you come off the mat. Is that like you're transitioning from the Hulk to Bruce Banner? And then all of a sudden something pricked the Hulk again. It's like, Oh really? Yeah. Very similar transition. So I'm like, I'm slowly, you know, I'm walking off the mat and just carrying my shit. I'm like, all right, good. Wait, let's get ready for the next match. He walks by and he's like, uh, good match, but you didn't win. I armbar do. And I just remember like dropping my stuff. And I'm like, we can go right now. Like we can do it again right now. <laughs> That's what it looks like. You know? So, uh, yeah, don't like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of disrespectful for like you expect somebody that's been around the sport and preaches uh, being humble and humanity to be like understanding of his loss, you know. And I pretty I dominated the whole match. I I every every time we every every uh, everything that happened in the match I initiated and then I finished the sequence in a dominant fashion. So like for somebody like that to you know say that to me, it was just like it kind of burned me up inside. But. uh yeah, in in the moment, I was like, "All right, I guess I have to fight this guy right now." But it was definitely not that deep. In, in jujitsu, when a guy throws himself on the ground like that and sits on his butt, you know, gets on his back, mm-hmm. is that called pulling guard? Even if they don't pull guard on you, what is that? Yeah, called? it's called it's yeah, it's called pulling guard because you know, you're pulling open guard. It's open guard, closed guard. Yeah, so he pulls guard. So what if a guy does that? Like you, like he, like you approached him and he 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 went to his back, but you hadn't even touched him. Um, what if you just stood there? Um, then he would probably try to scoot forward and, and see your legs or, uh, or something like that. You know, so he would scoot down. around like one of those dogs. That's like that, that like with itching the itching his butt. 
Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a I know I think it's a, a lazier way to go about the the match. Um, but people are setting their ways, and a guy like Cyborg is known for like being on top and being aggressive. But like against a guy like me, he's just kind of shut down. So he gets really intimidated. It's just so that's such a weird. I mean, and, and I go to uh, I'm, I'm, today after I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go to my fourth jujitsu tournament with my kids, and that's just something I, I just don't. I guess because I don't understand all jujitsu that well, even though I sit in jujitsu classes for fucking God knows ten hours a week just watching. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me that it, that that's. It's I, honestly, it's easier. It's, it's to so submit weird. Somebody, it's easier to submit an opponent from uh, from bottom position. You have a lot of different entries. It's like because. But you're then, why the does guy, the guy on top engage? If that's the truth, what you're saying, then why wouldn't you just be like, "Hey, dude, get the fuck up." You know what I mean? Or just like, yeah, but yeah. no one ever does. Everyone's like, all right, that guy's on his back. I'm going to engage him. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the culture of jujitsu is based around pulling guard. Like people, okay. are, people kind of think of jujitsu as like, uh, you know, the, the Royce Gracie or the Gracie's time where, where everyone was just pulling guard and winning these, uh, UFC fights. And, uh, the sport changes a bit, you know, like I think people, I think in my in my division, the heavyweight division, the best guys are the top players. So that's kind of why I had an advantage because I was like, "There's no way these guys could get on top of me because because my wrestling background and uh, how efficient I am." So I think just the culture in general, you know, it's uh, people are accustomed to pulling guard, and pulling guard does have its uh, have its value, you know, especially if you're a leg clocker or you're uh, you know maybe really good on on, on bottom. I think uh, I think people are scared of getting taken down, so they they eliminate that by pulling guard and playing it safe. So it's, it really is a cultural thing too. Like once someone does that, you can't, you, you have to engage them. Yeah. There's, there's a few, like there's a, a lot of big differences between like, uh, you know, American wrestling and then, then jujitsu. Like for instance, the, the takedown, when somebody shoots on you in wrestling, we teach you to sprawl. Somebody shoots on you in, in jujitsu, they teach you to break fall. And it's like, why would you teach somebody to concede a takedown? You know, there's no fighting. You take a shot and the guy falls on his back and slaps the mat. That's considered a break fall. And it's like the first day of jujitsu class, that's what they, they try to teach you. And it just never made any sense to me. So definitely it's a, a cultural ordeal. Is it is your teaching interfering with your training? I mean, you're doing a lot of teaching now, right? Uh, no, I mean, I only teach like uh, one day a week, uh, maybe maybe two here and there. So no, it doesn't interfere at all. And e- even when I teach, it's like, you know, teach for 30, 45 minutes. And I only teach the shit that I, I need to work on. You know, like if I'm having trouble or I'm thinking about move, like I'll teach that. That way I can work myself through it, help the class understand it. And then, uh, you know, give it, get to rolling at the end of the class. So it's not like we teach and just watch. You know, we teach, we drill, we uh, we roll with our students and uh, keep it rolling. Like it, we have a, we have like five or six guys that teach throughout the week. So it's, it's me, it's Craig Jones, it's uh, Damian Anderson, Isaac Mitchell, um, Nikki Ryan and Nick Ortiz and then Ethan Crowley signs in Canada right now, but he'll be down in a couple of weeks and he'll be teaching as well. So we have a, a great split where everybody only has to teach once or twice a week and we just cruise, man. Oh, really? All the guys only teach once or twice a week. Yeah. So no, so you're not, so it's a really interesting thing because like most academies, they have one or two instructors and you just have the same instructor all the time. So here we constantly have different people teaching and uh, it's world-class guys at that. There's no like flow grappling called us the number one uh, gym in the world. And at B team we have, I mean, it's true. We have like five guys that are ranked in the top 10. And uh, I think that's kind of undeniable. Yeah, that's, that's that. So is it kind of, B team is the name of the studio? 
Yep, B team, B team jujitsu. And is that you guys just kind of making fun of yourself because you came from the A team? Uh, yes, it's a it's a it's a like a uh, heavy contradiction because we call ourselves the B team, but we're really all the varsity players from DDS. Right. And, and why did they? What did you call it? BDS. Uh, DDS. DDS is Dan or Death Squad. It was uh, it was our old team name. And, and is that that's gone? They ch- when you left, they changed their name. They they got a different name now too. With, with yeah. whoever's left over over there. Uh, I think they call it New Wave now, New Wave Jiu Jitsu. But they don't even have like an academy. They just they're like they have like a friend that has some mats and they they drill on there and stuff. So they don't have a school or nothing like that. And, and who came up with that name, Danny here? De- Dan- Danny here, Death Squad. Um, I don't know who came up with it, but uh, it fit really well, man. It was like uh, it was catchy. People knew us for, for being DDS, Danner Death Squad, and uh, man, it was it was around for a while and fucking did some did some damage with DDS for sure. And you basically just the the the, the version I heard on Mark Bell, I think, is you got into jujitsu because you were in modeling. You did to, you were doing it to to stay lean to sweat. After two weeks, you got hooked, and after eight weeks. You were already over um, with your first match with uh, your first uh, class with uh, guys over at DDS. Yeah, yeah. About eight weeks. I uh, So at the end of this, the second week of training, my first week of training, I did a, a tournament. And it was against black belts. And I just destroyed everybody. And it, I mean, I must have ran up the score. It was like 80, 85 points to, to zero. And uh, so what is it even competitive? And granted, these were just like, you know, hobbyist black belts. Um, so soon after about the, about the eight week mark, I started training with, uh, with John Danher in, uh, in New York city at Hensel Gracie. And <clears throat> I really saw like heavy progress. Like I was, I was one of the worst guys in the room as far as technicality goes. So every round was really hard for me and man, it just elevated my game tremendously. I'd have, uh, you know, hard rounds with regular guys and I go train with guys like Gordon Ryan and then Craig Jones and, and just kind of repeat the cycle every day. And, uh, yeah, man, it may it may be tough, it may be good, and maybe maybe have to learn. I, I, it's funny. I keep wanting to go back to um, you being raised at home as a little kid, but you keep saying all the shit that makes it so I can't. Um, so so you're so you you sign up for jujitsu. Why do you go in the tournament against the black belts? Like, so you're saying you went in this tournament and you were a white belt and you went against black belts. Who let you do that? Like, weren't they like, no, no, you can't do that. You have to be in here with the white belts. So there's an, uh, there's an open, the tournament that I did, it was was called grappling industries, my first tournament. And it was called, uh, it's like an open division to where it's no belts, no weight classes, just completely open. So I signed up for it and just gave it a, gave it a go. And, uh, just beat up everybody. I did a Naga soon after that at uh, at expert level because they don't in Nogi they don't say like white belt blue belt. Um, they say like what's your level? Are you uh, expert, intermediate, what and something like that? So I just clicked expert and uh, yeah, gave it a go. It was, I mean, again, like I'm a. Does Jay a, tell you that? Is that where you meet Jay at? Sorry to interrupt. Is that where you meet Jay? You're like, hey, I'm a model. I want to lose some weight, and Jay's like, sure, sign up, sign the sign here, sign the waiver. That's where you guys so, met. So I start my first first training session 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 of jujitsu was at South Jersey BJJ. Um, in South Jersey BJJ, I was rolling for like a, a day or two, and then Jay Regabuto, which is a he was a coach there, uh, sees me practicing. Is like, like, okay, you should come to my six a.m. class. I'm like, whoa, six a.m. That's uh, <laughs> getting a little crazy here. So I was like, all right, whatever. I just uh, you know woke up early. I popped in there. And you know he showed me some stuff, and I was doing well against their uh, against their tough the toughest guys. And he's like, "Oh, you should compete on the weekend." 
I was like, all right, no problem. Second week, I competed. Now, why well. no prob? Why no problem? Because you've been competing your whole life. Like you've already done, uh, played football or wrestling in high school, or so competing is no big deal to you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had so many wrestling matches. So I was like, all right, no problem. And I'm confident. Like I was like, there's no way just normal people. Like you know, I'm a I'm an athlete. You know, I'm a very uh, I'm faster than most. I'm stronger than most. And I understand. I understood my differences uh, from these regular like hobbyists. So, uh, you know, how, no, and how old were you at this point? Uh, 21. Okay. And so also you're just, you're in the, you're in that, your body's just fucking pumping out testosterone. I mean, you're, I, I, I think I remember what it's like being 21. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. I'm definitely, you know, I'm <clears> not, uh, I'm not my prime yet, but every year I get, I feel like I get, right. I get better, bigger, more dense, more defined. Um, but your body's firing on all cylinders. You're 21. Like you're turning into a man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was, uh, you know, I, I was confident going out there. And man, I like every every time I practiced, I mean, I was going against black belts in practice. And I was just having no problem beating them. So I was like, all right, let's do a competition. And then, you know, after some research, I, I learned about uh, DDS and, and uh, guys that were making money doing jujitsu. I was like, all right, I mean, am I going to like try to try to get like a regular job or, or see where this grappling stuff can go? And uh I knew like once I started jujitsu that it was either I was never going to train it or I was going to train it every day. Um, and I just chose to do it every day. Just like that. And and not, are you just kind of just a, a go with it guy? Like you don't put a lot of thought into things like I, like, are you more like Forrest Gump or are you like, I feel like I'm always my life. All my success comes because I'm like a Labrador or Forrest Gump. I just chase, Oh, there's the ball. I'll just chase yeah. it till I get it. <laughs> I take every t opportunity that comes my way. If it makes sense for me, I'll give it a try. Like, uh, like I feel like time is the most valuable thing you, you can give, you can offer somebody. So any, anytime I find an opportunity, I, I was like, all right, I can give this a go. Like coming from a, a small town, I knew that I had to, I had to meet people in order to kind of find my way. So you know, I met Jay Gabuto and then I, I started, as soon as I started grappling, I, I started meeting, you know, guys that are making money in the sport and talking to them and seeing that like, they're not that much different than me. Like I can definitely do this stuff. So, you know, meeting, meeting guys like Tom DeBlast at tournaments and, you know, talking to guys like Gordon and Gary Tonin uh, kind of gave me confidence understanding that, you know, if I get some of the, some of these simple accomplishments, um, along with a social media following, I can, I can be, make this more profitable and, and live by it. I, I appreciate what you said. Time is the most valuable thing you can give. And I hope you know that, um, I, I take the time that you give me so fucking seriously and I put in a ton of work and, and I, and I crazy appreciate it. I know you weren't asking for that, but I'm just telling you, that's how I feel about all my guests. It's like, holy shit. I want to make sure they leave here and like they, they, that there, there was some growth that they're not like, fuck, that was a waste of time. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and, and what's if I was also tripping on this. Usually your audio, the worst place anyone could go to do an interview would be a, a bathroom. Your audio is better than some people who have studios. Hey, what can I say, man? <laughs> it, it should sound like you're in a fucking tin can. Okay, I'm gonna go way I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get us back on track here, but but someone this guy Dylan Val, um who's who in his picture is climbing a rope and it's fucked up because this guy sends in money all the time. And, and all I do is stare at his ass. I mean, cause it's just that picture. I'm always like, is his ass hungry? Is it eating his, is it, eat? but he needs to change his picture. Um, he's making me too ass conscious. Anyway, he says, what's going to happen between Craig, Craig Jones and cowboy Craig Jones is one of your training partners. And is he talking about Cerrone? Yeah. Cowboy Cerrone. They have a, uh, combat jujitsu match. So it's a no -gi grappling match. 
but there's there's palm strikes. So like, oh yeah, watch some of that. That shit is crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sick. So like, if you're standing up, you can't hit, but as soon as you get to the ground, you can you can finish guys with your with your palms. And uh, I mean, I don't think Craig is gonna pull guard just because he can't get smacked, and I don't think Craig wants to get smacked. Um, so I think he wrestles with Cowboy a little bit. Probably does his best to put him down, and uh, he either submits or tries to finish him in palm strikes. The thing it's uh, it's hard to go. It's like if the roles were re- re- reversed. If if Craig goes into a cage, it's like this is a little chance that you know he's going to beat Cerrone. But uh, same you know same vice versa. It's uh, it's Craig's world for sure, man. We, and we're and props to Cowboy for stepping up, man, because it's a it's a different battle in there. And I think Cowboy's looking for some fun. You know, this isn't like a you know he's not going to make a million dollars from this fight. It's just uh, something to do and something to uh, kind of uh, feed that ego or feed that drive that he has. You know. Um, when is that? Um, I think December 9th. And that's the um, that's the guy. Uh, so. He he was in your documentary too, the little guy. Something Eddie is that is an Eddie Bravo thing? Eddie Bravo, yeah, yeah. Eddie Bravo runs that. Okay. Are you going? Uh no, it's in uh it's in Cancun. I'll be I'll be in Austin for that. Um do you do you like to travel? I uh I I don't mind traveling. Um I'd rather not fly if I don't have to, but I have like it's hard for me to leave Austin. I've only been here for a few months, but the food's fantastic. The people are nice. I have everything. I, I have great training here. It's su- sunny all the time. We have hiking trails. We can hit the lake and go wakeboarding. Like uh, everything I need is or I want is in Austin. So it's hard for me to kind of leave home. You know. Do you have a girlfriend? Yeah, I do. And she's never. She's not in any of your social media. No, I keep my I keep my private life private. Social um, social media is. Uh, for me, social media is a, a means of building my brand and making money. And uh, I'm probably a bit of a jealous guy, to be honest. So keep that solo, you know? <laughs> wow, you are a bit of a jealous guy. Uh, I mean, like, I make sure that I set my life up so I don't have to be jealous, you know? Right. Like, I couldn't have a girlfriend that trained jiu-jitsu. It fucking drive me crazy. I couldn't do it. Because of just dudes on top of her and, like, just all over her and... Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, the thought about that makes me cringe a little bit. Um, is she jealous? Uh, I mean, I think everybody's jealous, but I mean, I, as long as you you can't have a relationship where you're making somebody jealous, you know, that's not like a healthy healthy way to go about it. I I thought for sure you were going to say you don't have a girlfriend because because just just in relationship to what you said about coffee and just the stuff that I that I heard you say on Mark Bell and some of the stuff you said here that you're just singularly focused and that that would just be a major distraction. No, I mean, uh, if it was a distraction, I definitely wouldn't have a girlfriend. You know, I don't do anything in my life that doesn't benefit my future. So, like, you know, I she helps me out with telling cleans the house, she cooks for me. Like, you know, I need a. That though having those tasks done really really benefit my my life and my future because it saves me time from uh for for you know other things. So you're a team, a team, yeah, like yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely a team. How about the trash? Does she take the trash out or do you take the trash out? Uh, no, I take the trash out. Yeah, sure. I take the trash out too. My wife yeah. does a lot of shit, but for some reason, I take the trash out. Is do you have to go any like a dark alley or anything like that where you live? No, I'm a. Oh, I'm a so in Austin, right? I'm not. I'm not used to this, but in Austin, they try to charge you every month for taking your trash out. Like in Jersey, we just pay taxes, 
and they take it, they pick up a trash. So I literally put my trash in the bed of my truck and I drive it. When I drive to, to practice, I put in dumpster right next to practice. And it's only, it's only like 50 bucks a month for them to pick up my trash, but it's the principle. I'm like, I can't, I can't think about giving these guys 50 bucks a month to fucking pick my trash up. I pay taxes. The fucking city should be doing this for free. It's more of a stubborn thing, but uh, I don't mind it. I mean, I just walk to my truck. The dumpster's right next to my truck when I park for practice, so it's it's all good. I appreciate the dedication. Plus, it's it, it's a good practice, so you stay stay with the everyman. You stay at the soil level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where did you meet your girlfriend at? Dude, I met her at Home Depot. I was working at Home Depot when I was like, when I was like eighteen or nineteen. Uh, met there and just been cruising ever since, man. Um, and, and you tell a great story. I have a story very similar to that. A little different. You you would go to work and you'd look around and you'd be like, dude, I could beat everyone up here. Yeah, for sure. I would, I remember like just, I was mixing paint at Home Depot for a little bit. And I was just like, everybody in here. The first thing I thought when I saw a person was like, I could beat the shit out of this guy. And, uh, I soon found out that that wasn't normal thinking. Most people don't, you know, don't process information (laughs) hey let me tell you i think it's totally normal you're just in touch with it i think every single dude knows i can beat him up i can't beat him up i can beat him up i can't beat him up and the same thing with girls i think every single dude goes i want to have sex with her i don't want to have sex with her and i know as bad as that sounds it's what we're here to do in in the most superficial sense we're here to mate and then protect our 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 kids and in the in the in the woman and 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 i don't know i i think i think i think you were just really in touch (laughs) with it you haven't had it deprogrammed out of you that's the kind of shit they want to deprogram out of you and it's not like you were acting on it right you weren't like no i'm not acting i'm just i'm just observing like i could definitely you know i don't know i think it was just normal for me any if i see any any guy i'm just like i could you know if this is a wild you're dead man if this is what if this is the wild you're dead man Right, right. You either work for me or you're dead. Yeah, exactly. You either stand guard at the cave while I'm sleeping, or I kill you. Um, I um, when I was 34, I started doing CrossFit, and I I started realizing that holy shit, everywhere I went, it was kind of the opposite of fighting. I was like, hey, I could run away from anyone in here. <laughs> it's still a survival mechanism. Yeah. Don't don't laugh at me, Nikki. It's still a survival mechanism. But I'm just like now, and and now it's even worse, right? I'm 49, 15 years later, and just everyone like I live in one of the fittest cities in the world, like you, and it's still half the people are obese and just piles of just shit, treat their bodies horribly. And I just walk into a Starbucks and I'm like, my God, like, they, like, I like if, the cold, a, a, if the cold comes in here, everyone's dead. Yeah, like like like. I'm a, I'm a fan of the CrossFit culture, to be honest. I got a chance to meet and hang out with and, and work with uh, Jason Kalipa a little bit, you know, yeah. CrossFit world champion. And he taught me a lot about the about the the world of CrossFit. Like I always thought it was about lifting heavy weights and uh, you know uh, stuff like that, but it's really about like being well rounded in the fitness world. You know, not only can you put some numbers up, but you can run a few miles. And and uh, and I like the fact that these guys are jacked, right? They have insane physiques, but they also are, are, are in shape. Like they're not bodybuilders where they have these crazy, crazy muscles, but you know, they're tired from 10 minutes on the Stairmaster. So, uh, I'm, Oh, I've always been a fan of people that look like they're in shape, uh, but at, can actually use their body. 
it it is weird um to see some of these strongest men in the world like they do you know what a sumo deadlift a sumo deadlift is yeah you picked okay um the guy's deadlifting 700 pounds but he barely has the flexibility to reach down and grab the bar and at some point you're like dude i'll just run across the street and grab a stick and come (laughs) back and beat you like like what you you can't even like you can't tie your shoes yeah it's it's some weird shit yeah for me being a man means uh you know can you win a fight that's that's uh, always been my like you know regardless of how you look what you do you know can you beat a lot of these guys up and that's that's always kind of been my uh my mindset uh, it's it's interesting there there's these two terms there's this term um uh gender and there's this term sex and uh sex means like your penis and your vagina mm-hmm. and gender is just like made up shit like like what you just made up yeah i tried to so in, in instagram there's a there's like a thing where you could put like a pronoun. Yeah. And I, I tried to, I tried to change it to like beast or like, you know, something, something crazy because right. there were, I, I see that like the pronouns are just like whatever you want to be. So I was like, if social media can let me do something cool, I would try, but it was, it was definitely a heavy fail. They didn't let you do it. No, no. I think I tried like warrior or so, something, you know, something cheesy just to see if it would work. And yeah, it didn't, didn't work at all. Isn't it funny that that thing is probably just to make people feel better in acceptance, but not people like you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh my God. That is well. So, so, and, and so people like I, whenever I see a bathroom that sign and it says all genders welcome, I'm like, well, of course all genders are welcome. It, it genders just made up in your head and people would act, like, I don't even know what gender I am. I know what sex I am. I'm man, but I, but I like that definition of, uh, um, if you're going to make something up about your, uh, uh, your gender, that's a good one. The def what, what was it again that I think it said beast or monster. No, but before like that. that, it was like, hey, the, your def- your definition of being a man is being able to beat up other men. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like that. And it's not you say it so casually; it's not even violent. It's just a. Well, I don't mean I don't mean it violently. I just mean uh, in the aspects of control. You know, like how how well as a man can you control a situation? You know, I feel, I feel like that's a you know that's a being a man in itself. Are you able to? calm and collectively you know understand assess what's going on and, and and take control of it i'm trying to think i had i had a ufc fighter on here who was it damn They're, they were basically like hey at the end of the day it kind of doesn't matter what someone can or can't do to you let's see if i can find this if you can beat them up like like you that that's it that's like you can beat them up and and there's like not it doesn't matter if they have more money than you it doesn't matter like if they have a prettier girlfriend than you like they know it you know it like like yeah, i can beat they, you up that that's that's the top of the pyramid there's not like you can't you can't make fun of me now you can't like I, hey i can beat you up and i was like yeah oh. yeah for sure cuz anybody can wield a gun you know but uh you you put a gun away what can you what can you do with your body you know what what can you do with your two hands i feel like that's uh that's very important a lot of people kind of miss out on that aspect of life Trying to think, who was that? How far back do I have to go? Do you, um, you probably don't know who this guy is. He's at Bellator. His name is Dalton Rosta, R-O-S-T-A. He's five and zero over there at Bellator. Does that name ring a bell? No, no, I never heard of him. Okay, I don't, I don't know, I don't know too many uh, Bellator fighters though. Did you watch the fight uh, last night? The fights, UFC fight. I know that uh, Sean Brady won. Yeah. Yeah, tough, tough guy, man. He's a he's from from my area, from from Philadelphia. Trained a little bit together. Oh, you have so you know him? Uh yeah, yeah. I know, I know him. Uh, I know him. Been around in the same gym, and whatnot. 
Yeah, uh, I think he's 15-0 and 0 now. Yeah, guy's tough, man. Scrapper. Yeah, crazy. And then did you see the post-price interview where he kind of got into it a little bit with Daniel Cormier? No, I didn't. What was that about? I guess Daniel forgot his name. Oh, man. And he called him out on it. But it, I think it was more lighthearted. He yeah, said, that was yeah. disrespectful. You forgot my name. But it's like, dude. <laughs> Daniel Cormier looks like he just eats donuts all day. His brain might not even be functioning perfectly anymore. Yeah, guys, uh, I mean, fuck. It's crazy that you can you cannot be uh, you know chiseled out of granite and still just beat guys up. That's, uh, that's amazing to see. Or once you know, like, like, could you ever see yourself letting yourself just go? I think about it sometimes. Like, if I if I want to be like old and, and out of shape, uh, but I think I want to be like a super fit old guy. Like, if, when I'm like you know 60, 50 years old, it'd be nice to have like abs and be like, and people be like, look at this old fuck. Like, he's old, but he's shredded. He's in shape. His body's well. I like uh, I, I like to think of like fitness as that as less of a diet and more like a, a lifestyle. You know, like I I I try to add on years to my life. So me getting out of shape, I'd be you know. Even if I can get can get an extra year or two out of life, um, and a, a, a healthy extra year or two out of life, then, then I'm all about eating right and uh, and working out. Man. The by the way, your quality. If you don't do that, your quality of life will plummet. Yeah, definitely. Like like being overweight is like, unfortunately, once you're overweight, probably that's all you know. But being overweight is like your your whole quality of life. And so, if you're 60 years old and you're 50 pounds overweight, your life is fucked. Yeah, I mean, I mean relative even, to mine, relative to mine or yours. Even simple things like sleep, like being overweight or just you know not eating right, has effects on on everything, man. So, you know, I like to. I think even like getting outside sometimes, getting some sunshine, getting your feet on the ground has a big difference in your quality of life. Um, will you go a whole day without putting a shirt on? Um, I mean, honestly, in Texas, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just walk my dog around the corner, um, take him back home, drive to practice, no shirt. Put a rash guard on to be on the mats, and that's about it, man. And, and how about shoes? Will you go a whole day with no shoes too? Yeah, I mean, I'll go. I'll go a long time without shoes. I I honestly only wear like I only wear. I have a pair of Vans that I put on, um, but no socks. I'm not a, not a fan of socks. I wear I wear sandals or Crocs throughout the day, and then I put Vans on for the lifting. That's about it, man. I honestly I would lift barefoot if I if I uh, if yeah. Why don't you? Well, I, I, if there's a gym that would let me, you know, I'm all about it. But when I was in Puerto Rico for the past year, uh, I left it every day barefoot because it was at my, my friend's garage. So like I'd go days without shoes. Yeah. I, 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 heart, I only wear shoes if I have to, I do all my, I even do don't. And I do, I do rope climbs. I wear shoes, yeah. but even the assault bike or rowing or all that shit, yeah. deadlift, whatever I, I barefoot. I don't even think shoes are that good for you. Like, like how narrow they are. Your, your feet are supposed to spread out and, and be nice and wide and, Shoes are just like meant to narrow narrow your uh, your toes and feet together, and it's probably not the best for you. No, it's hor- it's fucking horrible. Uh, are you gonna have kids? Yeah, I'll probably have a lot. I feel like it's selfish to keep these superior genetics to myself. Spread them more, <laughs> spread them around. You know. Do do you um? Does your current girlfriend have good genetics? Oh yeah, yeah. She's like a she's I would say like a powerlifter genetics, or strong lady for sure. So, so you're in Home Depot, um, and, and why did you get a job there? Uh, my dad worked there uh, for a little bit, and uh, my dad's a, a, a workhorse. You know, he's a seven day a week kind of guy. If he 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 literally worked from uh, like four a.m. to like one, and then he drive to Philly and go work on his houses, and then go back home and just restart the whole day. 
So, uh, you know, I kind of grew up with that kind of keep going mentality. Um, what was your question again? So, uh, so, so he worked there and so you're like, okay, I'll get a job there. He told you, or he told you, Hey, you should come work here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was just like, you know, I was, it was the, my year, my, the year after my first year of college. And I kind of knew I wasn't going back. Cause like I did, I did every, everything I could in the rest, in the wrestling world. Like I was a, I worked my way up to be the best guy in the practice room. So I was like, all right, I need to find a new practice room. So I'm looking for other colleges and stuff. And I, I made some verbal commitments uh, to another school. And then um, that summer I started working at, at Home Depot. And at the same time, I simultaneously found some uh, – I signed with a, a modeling agency called Willamita in New York City. And uh, I started posting every day on social media. I was like, all right, I, I see people making money on social media that look – you know half as decent as I do. Like I can, I could definitely make, make this happen. So I commit to social media. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a post every day. I can start working at home Depot just so, you know, make some money. I think I was working at, at home Depot and working at uh public works as well. A couple of days a week, like, you know, what's cutting, public work, public works are the guys that go around their town. They cut the, the, the high school soccer fields. They cut the grass oh, around the city okay. and shit like that. Yeah. So super, super easy, simple job. Um, and yeah, Home Depot was, was cool. I'm just not a, I'm not a guy that take orders. Like I can, like, it's really hard for me to like, again, this is, goes back to the ego where like you have a boss like telling, telling me what to do. And I'm like, I can fucking kill you right now if I wanted to, like, don't, don't talk to me, you know, but that's being young and naive and, uh, and, uh, yeah, just not, not the right way. Not the, not the best mindset to be in a, a retail store, you know? So I wasn't the best employee for sure. I was actually, I was actually late every day like i i think i was there for like i was at home depot for like six months and i, I might have racked up like 60 latenesses it was pretty it was rough and did you do that on purpose to make a, a statement like fuck you you can't tell me what to do i'll come in when i want or it was just sloppy that's just how i live my life i was even late to the interview okay wow yeah like i like even in practice like i i mean i would show up to john's class like 30 minutes late like every day and it was just like just accustomed to it. I don't know. I feel like I set the standard of being late from day one. So people just knew I was going to be late. Um, it, it, two questions. Is that why you were such a good fit there when you went there? Because you needed to be around some dudes that you didn't think you could beat their ass. Yeah. I needed, I needed to be not the best guy in the room. I, I, I trained at so many jujitsu academies looking for got people that were better than me. I went to South Jersey, BJJ, uh, went to Grindhouse, which is with it, which is run by James Booth in Pennsylvania. Uh, Ricardo Almeidos, I trained at uh, Tom DeBlasses, and it was just me searching for better competition, people that that were better than me. And finally, I get get up to Hensel Gracie, and I'm getting beat up, tossed around by these guys. I'm like, all right, this is this is the place I need to be. So like, it wasn't a it wasn't close either. I had to drive three hours one way to get to practice, and then three hours back. So and every, only thirty five miles too, right? Yeah, no, it was a. Uh, it was a uh, hundred, like one hundred thirty-five miles. Oh, it was okay. Okay, yeah. I, I was being serious. I thought it was like thirty-five miles. Okay, so it was far. Yeah, it was one hundred thirty-five miles one way, but the you get the New York City traffic. So like in Jersey, I'm good, and then I get to the city, and and you know one mile could take you thirty minutes. So yeah, so rough. sometimes you'd be in the car for three hours and be just five miles away, and then be another hour to get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, I, it's fuck a, that life. You fuck usually, life. usually the way, I, and I did this. I did this for a, like a, a whole year and a half. Um, about five, five. Originally, it was three days a week, and then I started making money with jujitsu, and that was like six or seven days a week. And I would drive. 
I spent like six hours in the car, but sometimes on the way home, it would take me like five or six hours because of a traffic jam or like something like that. So it was, it was a, it was a headache every day, man. And would you listen to audiobooks? Yeah, I do some audiobooks or like a podcast, you know, that podcasts are easy. Just put them on cruise. And when you, what do you remember any of the audiobooks? Did you listen like the self-help books or fiction or? I did. Uh, I think the only book I listened to was art of war and uh, something called relentless. It was like a, uh, it's a book by, um, by Kobe Bryant's like a mentor or something like that. Yeah. Do you, do you have any time to listen to that stuff anymore? Do you listen to podcasts or books anymore? Or is your day just full? Uh, I mean, my day's full, but like, yeah, when, I, if I do listen to anything, it's usually, it's usually a podcast, you know, when I'm walking the dog, I have a podcast on or I'm driving to practice. I have, I have like a 30 minute drive to practice and I do that on purpose. Cause I, I think it gives me some mental clarity just to plan my practice or plan my day, you know? So, uh, I don't mind, you know, a little 30 minute drive, put a podcast on a cruise. Meaning you found a location for your, for the B team gym. And then from there, like, okay, I need to live about 30 minutes from here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I had the option of being like right there where it's like a, you know, five minute walk or a 10 minute drive. Um, but, uh, I like, you know, I like, first of all, I like being out. Like I have, I'm in development right now, a housing development. Um, but there's farmland everywhere. And eventually I like to buy a, you know, a piece of land where I could just uh, do whatever I want. This guy's out of his fucking mind. You're out of your fucking mind. I bet money Ben Askren pins Nick in the first period. You're you're fucking yeah. crack. <laughs> I'm a bit bigger than uh, than Ben. I actually got to meet Ben. Um, he did some content with uh, Lex Friedman at, at B Team at, at our studio, and I got to talk to Ben for a little bit. And uh, he's not he's not a, a, a jujitsu guy at all. He's more of a, a brute strength kind of guy. You know, he's like a bulldog choke kind of guy. Get up, get up in there and, and squeeze your head off. Super nice, super knowledgeable too. I, I saw like how he was moving and, and talking to Lex Friedman. I was like, this guy knows a ton of wrestling. Is it um, is it is it is it at all odd for you the way you've just stormed onto the scene? It, it, so so let me rephrase that. For there's never this. People talk about overnight success and like then everyone who's like there's never been overnight success. But from the outside, it does look like that, right? Like you're not on the radar for a bunch of people, and then all of a sudden you're on the radar. You're everywhere. Their YouTube algorithm won't stop bringing you up. Yeah, I had, it feels to you, or I had a no. Honestly, it just it just feels like I'm a normal dude that has a, a lot of friends. Like it's um it's cool it's cool to go out and have like randomly when I'm getting like an acai bowl or something. People are like oh like you're Nicky Rod like what's up, bro? I think that I think that's fun and, and it's cool. Um, but again, I'm not like uh, I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't take shit to heart. Like I don't. I can never see myself being. Uh, being the guy, it's like, oh, like, I don't want any pictures or, or shit like that. Again, I'm not that fucking Joe Rogan, like, superstar status. I'm sure it gets a little little crazy up there. But, um, I mean, the small niche, the small niche that I'm in, it's it's fun, man. Everybody I meet that knows me is friendly. And uh, they're just, you know, happy for my success. And, you know, it's a good community that I'm in, man. Well, also right now, it's all people who are kind of at the top of the food chain who know about you, right? You haven't really dribbled down to the masses yet. It's like clearly, obviously, Joe Rogan knows who you are. Clearly, you know, I mean, Gordon Ryan knew who you were in the fucking first eight weeks of your fucking jiu-jitsu career. I mean, you, you're top down. You're not – You're um, a lot of people – Actually, I don't even know. I was going to make the comment a lot of people's success starts from the bottom. I, what the, who the fuck am I? What do I know? But um, but but it is top down. Like, like, I, I had a, a lot, lot of, of a lot of blue check marks for lack of a better word, and fuck those guys. Yeah. Um, know who you are. I had um I had a lot of success 
early on. It's, I, I'm sorry, I mean, Luke I, Rockhold called you out in 2019. That is weird. Yeah, pretty crazy. That's, we had a we had a match, right? And I was like, nobody. Say, yeah. I'm sorry. We yeah, me me and Rockhold had a match, and I was like, I was a nobody, you know. So yeah, that, pretty, I mean, that's crazy. just weird. Yeah, yeah. I uh, before grappling, before I even started grappling, I had about thirty thousand Instagram followers. So I think I think once from I, modeling, from modeling, from, yeah, yeah, from modeling and posting on social media because I was I was determined. I was like, if I can get a, a, a you know a following, then that means I'm worth more. You know, I mean, as superficial as that sounds, I mean, the numbers matter. If you have more attention on you, you're gonna, it's you're you're valued more. So, I had about thirty thousand when I started grappling. So already when I started posting jujitsu, people were like, why does this guy have a, a following? Why is he hanging out with Gordon? And like, it was, I had people very interested early on because of that. And uh, you know, I think every every grappler, everybody that's trying to do anything, um, you know, like. Uh, when I say like own their own business or, or anything like that, if you're independent, the social media is a, is a great tool to use. Did you, did you leave those guys? The, what did you, Dana here, Dana, her, Dana here. He, what say his last name? Uh, Dana, her. Yeah. Dana, her, Dana. That's the bald guy. Like, looks yes. like he's like he's from X-Men. Um, Dana, her death squad. Did you leave them? Because at some point you felt like you could, you were the, than the toughest guy in the room is that the breakup there is that just like the normal transition okay i got what i needed from those guys now i'm going to move on to this group no um so essentially the whole dds stays together like we're all we're literally the whole team is still, still- and and how many people is oh shit bye-bye <laughs> damn i was just saying wrestling strictly hence pin oh bug you're just you i like what you said because it lets me say something completely, it lets me say something completely crazy to him. Uh, uh, so okay, so sorry. H- how many people are in that on that team? It's, it's not a school; it's a team. Whereas now you have a, a sort of a hybrid school team thing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the whole DDS is uh, comprised of Nikki Rod, Nikki uh, Ryan, Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, Ethan Krellison, and Gary Tonin. Um, and essentially, the whole team stayed together. We just separated from uh, from Gordon and John. They're doing their their own thing, and uh, we did it really just because it, it's best for for our future. Um, the mentalities within the gym weren't compatible anymore. Um, so again, the whole team stayed together. We just kind of eliminated uh, something that, and now we're we're happy that we did. You know, it's a our future is bright. Our training's fantastic, and uh, we're getting better every day. You so, so I'm I'm just going to interpret what I'm hearing. You reached some sort of ceiling there with the group, and you felt these guys who who now are at the B team felt like they could grow more taking this path. Uh, and, it it wasn't not not so necessarily grow more. Uh, we can grow this at the same rate. It was just more so we had we had a few distractions because of uh you know internal things that were on the team, and we just had to eliminate those distractions to keep uh to keep on track of our success. So, okay. So, so it wasn't that all of a sudden you were beating everyone up in the gym and you're like, Hey, I got to go somewhere where I can't beat someone up. No, it was, it was personal, personal conflicts with it, within the team that, uh, okay. that forced us to kind of separate <clears throat> and can do our own thing. And right now we're, we're really happy and, uh, we're having fun, man. And like every day we go practices, like we look forward to training. Like we can't, we're just hanging out with our friends, doing what we love. So it, it can't get better than this. Well, congratulations. I love hearing that. Let me ask you something just really silly. This is just, I'm going to get destroyed for this. Uh, who now gives you your belt? You're a purple belt? 
Yeah, I'm a purple belt. I think, How do you uh, get your brown belt if you left your teacher? Like, do you still go? Like, would you still go back to Danaher and be like, "Hey, can I get my brown belt?" or, or "Hey, can I train with you for a month and get promoted?" Like, how do you do that now? Did he give you your purple belt, or did Jay give it to you? Jay Jay Ragabudo gave me my purple belt. Okay, on the podium of ADCC. So once I took second, they he gave me a purple belt, and. Uh, and Does I that think, mean anything to you? Like part, like part of me thinks like you don't give a fuck because like you just want to do no gi. Um, yeah, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean much to me. It's more like a, uh, more like a trophy or anything. You know, it, for okay. me, the belts mean knowledge. How much? How much do you know? You know, like I can, like anybody, like you can get a couple, like two or three moves that you're great at and, and beat a lot of guys. Um, but do you are you a well-rounded athlete? Do you have knowledge everywhere on the legs, on, on the back, and stuff like that? So um, I think we'll have we'll do something like after I win ADCC, we'll have uh, Nikki Ryan. Maybe he'll give me like a stripe on my purple belt. Do something funny like that. Oh, and he, Nikki Ryan's one of the instructors at your gym. Like yeah, I Nick, see, I saw him in the videos uh, on count. Is it count count films? I subscribed yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, count films. We'll we'll be producing our uh, our specific. Uh, YouTube channel as well. It'll be B Team Jiu Jitsu. That's uh, soon to come. Oh, so Count Films isn't yours. It's just some. Yeah, Count Films was a, is a is a friend that we uh, we helped grow his platform. We we did a bunch of uh, YouTube videos just to kind of get the word of B Team out and and help build his brand as well. And that was uh, nice of you. Yeah. Now now we're ready. We're uh, we're ready to start producing our, our own stuff, our own content. So we're gonna uh, create a YouTube channel. We'll have we we'll have. Uh, you know, weekly videos, we'll have pot, weekly podcasts as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Do you, did you watch the Daisy Fresh series? Yeah, I watched a ton of it for sure. Did you like it? I do. The guys are, these guys are interesting. Um, I, I would, I would say that not, not that you've, um, uh, not that you asked my opinion, but the, if you talk to the guy at Count Films, like, and I don't do jujitsu. I mean, my kids do, but I watch Daisy Fresh with my kids, and they're young; they're uh, four and seven. But they were they were fucking glued to it. Um, as I went through those Count Films uh, videos, it's it's really just jujitsu, mm-hmm. and we need like more of you guys like talking. We need like you guys like walking Vlog, down like the more street. vlogs, right? Yeah, moving lo- – yeah, or like having a bottle cap shooting contest or like talking about whose geese stinks more or just like, you know, fun- just hear funny stories like your your toilet overflowed in the middle of the night. Just It would just be cool to hear just yeah, more talking. At least that's me. That's me. No, no, I, I think you're right. That's why we're kind of uh, branching off on the dual thing because we'll have, you know, more control of the content. And uh, that's what we're going for. We're going for we're – tr- we're trying to make a, like a reality show out, out of yeah. our, our vlogs. You know, people want to see not only what we do but who we are. Right. So the more the more we can do that and, 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 and build our brand that way, I think that's the, the way to go about it. Yeah, like if you were standing in line at the DMV for an hour and a half like the rest of us, it would. I think people would just be dying laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it doesn't have to be like super deep or crazy, but stuff like that I think people will be like – or to show you eating at Panda Express and, and you take all the rice out. All you eat is the fucking meat. Yeah, <laughs> simple things. People love it. Um, you did. You did say uh, that was a, an awesome thing that you said on the Mark Bell podcast when you talked about counting calories or what you eat, and you said basically you try. You know how much protein you want to get in every day, and then everything else kind of just follows around that. But you also said it's a job because you're trying to get so much protein. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have to. I'm a big boy. I'm 240 pounds, so like you know, I have to eat a lot of food to keep this mass and 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 be sufficient when I'm when I'm training every day. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, a process to eat all the food throughout the day, 
but uh it's a it's a job that's uh it has its, its reward you know i like i i i'm in the heavyweight division so i don't have to look like this to to compete and do well you know i just like being photogenic i like looking good on camera i feel like it draws more eyes towards me uh you know when i'm shirtless and i'm shredding on camera people are like oh like look at this guy like a lot of times people just think oh, it's a good looking kid he might just be that's it you know just just as handsome dude i was like yeah but i could rip your head off if i needed to you know so i think that's uh more intriguing to people and i know you're young now but in your 30s it'll be everything because your inflammation will be down your joints will feel better and you'll move better like being fat's stupid yeah honestly you actually said fat people you actually said the head not fat people sorry you actually said the heavyweight class is lazy and I, i i all the heavyweight athletes i've ever known even the top of the food chain, best dudes in the world at shit. There's always a little bit of a component of laziness to them just because getting up across and walking across the room is fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, you know, I do, I do what I do for longevity. I'm trying to be around as long as I can and uh, have as much fun as possible. So, so you're at home Depot and does she work there or she's was a customer like, and how do you talk to her? And are you afraid to talk to girls at this point in your life or I don't really, Honestly, I'm so good looking. I know it sounds bad, but I'd really have to talk to women. Like, if I look, if we make eye contact for more than like three or four seconds, I pretty much I got it. it's in the bag. You know, I don't even think. Don't take this wrong. I don't even know if it's just your looks, but there's something. There's something else. It's called they call they call it the it factor. It's even mean. something else. Um, it's something that. Uh, I had this girl on Emily Abbott. She was a CrossFit athlete, uh, super beautiful and redheaded chick. So fucking awesome. Just a savage. Right. Mm-hmm. And she says, once you get in touch with like, she didn't, I think she said, once you get in touch, like with your pussy and like, like, like mentally, like you can go to your pussy, like you can buy, you can get drunk with that power. You just, you're just oozing that and like fucking dudes are my oh, interpretation. Uh, and, B- and BDE, BDE is big, big energy. That's yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have big. Like you're like the, you're like uh, you're just oozing testosterone. Like if there was a way, like to like you know how like like um, they can put a black light on a towel and see how much semen there is. If there was <laughs> like something, <laughs> if there was some light that they could put on you that showed your pheromones, you would just be giving off like this shit, like that that makes girls like confused, like <laughs> like 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 lepi lepi, like girls would like float around around you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm definitely, uh, you know, I've always had had. Uh, Did I get, your dad have that? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I get, I have a, a death. I think I have an innate advantage when it comes to women. Um, I never had, you know, problem. Like I was never a guy to chase to chase a girl. Um, my and definitely my to get that from my dad. My dad's like a good, good looking, handsome guy, and he has that that same energy. You know, he's a uh, uh, uber confident, and you could tell it's just a. Uh, Maybe it's like a pheromone thing. Maybe you just, uh, you know, women, women catch like a, a scent and they're like, that's a fucking man right there. Yeah. I mean, in that, in that, in that documentary, it's just like, and I've shown it to a couple of women who've come over to my house. I'm like, what do you think about this dude? They're just fucking, I can tell they're just like seeing stars. And stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, he's cool. And they're not even like fight fans or jujitsu fans. You know what I mean? I'm like, I knew it. Something's going on. And my friend Travis, the arm wrestler had that too. Yeah. So fucking weird. So, like, if he got into a taxi with the woman, like, like it felt like they were going to mate. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you just can't be in a a closed area with a woman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, uh, some people are blessed, man. 
So, so, so how do you, so how do you, was she a customer or an employee? Uh, she was an employee and, uh, man, I think the, the first like conversation we had, she just like asked for my Instagram and that was kind of it. Just been talking from there. The first time you kissed her, did you kiss her at work? Uh, no. All right. So, so that's I too think, bad. That would be a great story. God. So I the, kissed her under the hand. <laughs> the, first, the first time, first time I kissed her, it was uh, in the gym parking lot. So not only the, were we working together, I guess we, we worked together for, and I saw her like my first day at work, didn't talk to her, but did I you saw, know when you saw her, were you like, Oh, she's pretty. Like I, I'm going to yeah. eventually talk to her. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, uh, I went to the gym that night to go lift and like, mind you, like I just moved back home from, from college and I saw her at the gym that night and we chatted up. And I think we first time we kissed was like in the, in the car park, parking lot in the car. So I'm, what was she doing at your gym? Just lifting some weights, doing some cardio and whatnot. So she happened to work at, at home at the same place you worked and worked out at the same gym you work at? Yes. Yes. It was, it was meant to be. Was she yeah. stock? Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm smelling some fucking yeah. <laughs> some, some shit here. So was she? Did she come? Who was at the gym first? Um, I think she was there first, and I, I pulled up and was killing a workout. And uh, did you go there because you knew she was there? You're like, okay, I'm gonna find out where this girl works out. And no, I just, I just, uh, I just signed up to the gym because I was like, I was like, it's the closest gym to my house. Like, you know, I gotta get a workout in. My like, my mind has never been on like on like getting chicks. I've always been like focused on, on myself. And I think that's why women have been like super attracted to me. Cause I don't give, I don't give them much, much attention. I mean, it sounds weird, but I feel like the less, the less attention you give a girl, like the more they kind of, they kind of want you, you know? So I've always been very, very self-driven and like, you know, like I said, time is valuable. So I've always been focused on myself and I think that's very attractive. Yeah. How, how, what is she like? Is she like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, she, she's, uh, she's definitely a, a motivated kind of person. Um, but, uh, she's loyal. I trust her. Um, and that's, that's really what I care about. Like, are, are you, a, are you a good person? Are you fun? You know, like for me, I like, do you elevate my quality of life? Like, am I stressing because we have a fucking like, okay relationship or do I, do I enjoy life when we're around each other more? So that's, that's kind of what it's been about for me. I don't do anything in life. That's like, built gives me stress or anxiety or like even uh gets my mind off track from from what i have to do today or tomorrow so she kind of fit that uh fit that bill perfectly and uh could be happy and, and you're seven years into the relationship yeah yeah six or seven something like that um do you see it do you know about the seven-year itch no what's that that's just that the, there's this you know whatever wives tale that at seven years like that's what if you that's the hump you got to make it the seventh year is the hardest year. And that's like the hump and you got to get past that. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, mean, I just take it day by day, to be honest. Like, again, like if, if anything changed, if it was like, you know, she became this person that was like sh- building stress in my life or I had to, I had to take extra time out of my career to like, you know, help her like be happy in life and be, then that's not for me. You know, I just need another happy person to have fun with. Like, that's all I'm looking for. I'm just looking I want to have as much fun in life as possible. And, uh, you know, she definitely helps me out with that. Have you guys ever had a talk like, Hey, I'm going to 
take this body and this mind and I'm going to perform at the, take it to the highest level that it can possibly perform. I'm going to jump from the highest fucking rooftops and climb the tallest trees and I can't have any friction. So like if you suspect that I'm cheating on you, like don't cause I'm not, or like, Hey, if like, if you're mad at me because I didn't call, I didn't text you cause I was in gone for three days. Don't like, that's all your own shit. Like, like, yeah, I think if, uh, I think if, uh, especially at your age, it seems like relationships are so high maintenance because you guys are tethered by these phones. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, I feel like it's kind of easy to like keep track of each other. I mean, we can FaceTime whenever we want, you know, if I'm like at the gym or whatever. So it's kind of, you know, it's easy for me, but, uh, I don't know. I really don't put too much thought into it. Like I just live life and, uh, you know, if, if I'm stress-free, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm doing, I'm doing it right. If I am stressed, I'm like, all right, what's, why am I stressed? You know, what's, what's causing this stress? And we got to fix it from there. And that was basically what happened then also with the, with the, with the, um, Dan, her death squad. You just, yeah. you just, you're taking it day by day. It was fucking amazing. You learned a lot of shit. And then someday you're like, ah, this doesn't feel right. This isn't, this is, yeah. I'm- yeah. That's exactly what happened. We had some, uh, you know, there's some internal issues with, uh, you know, uh, a person amongst amongst other guys in the, in the team and we just had to eliminate those uh, internal issues and man we couldn't be happier we're we're winning the battle and we you know we have a fantastic facility we have people lining up outside the door to come train with us it's like dude know, any- it's sardines in there it's yeah. fucking sardines in there yeah. we had a, we have open mats on sundays sometimes and we have to we cap it at like a like 100 people and we have to turn away like another 100 people because there's a line around the corner like it's, hey, it's is it dripping insane. from the ceilings in there? Because that's a lot of body heat coming off of people, right? It, yeah, no, like we if have, it's sixty <laughs> degrees in there, and those dudes pile in and start moving. It goes like to eighty, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it gets it gets hot in there, but we have we're pretty well ventilated. We'll open the back door and let some air in, and uh, you know we like it hot when, when we're you know training and stuff. So it's not it's not bad at all. It was like in Hensel Gracie in the, in the basement. Um, it would get like foggy in there, like halfway through practice, there'd be like a mist around us, you know. So. Definitely, uh, it's tough to try, tough to breathe in there when you're going at it. Does anyone in the jujitsu community roll with masks on, like during all that mask shit? Uh, I mean, I hope not. I wouldn't be wouldn't be too safe. Yeah, it's um, it, it's in, it, it, the the jiu- when shit was getting crazy here in California, it's still fucking it, morons everywhere. Um, that was one place that didn't change. The well, the jujitsu. Yeah, the jujitsu. Yeah, like, yeah. like it was. It, uh, God, thank God for that shit. My kids just could just still just go there and just. Yeah, I don't know if you ever suffocated somebody, but it, it consists of covering the nose and mouth. I mean, you can't work out that hard if you're covering the nose and mouth. Even even being on the planes, it's like I really I'm not a fan of wearing a mask. You know, I'm just not not really for me. Especially because you're so good looking too that you can't be, and you're not going to be good looking forever. You can get old and wrinkly and shit. Exactly. I get a lot of free shit because uh, of my looks. You know, maybe I get some extra french fries or free movie tickets. So can't have that without, without a mask. So you're this you're this kid. You're living in Jersey. You're one of four. And um, do you, from your earliest memories, do you, do you like moving around? And 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 how and how do you, what was kindergarten, first, second grade? When do you start getting into like sports? Um, I started I started sports. Uh, we moved to Jersey from Philadelphia when I was about, when I was like maybe six years old. Um, I started, I played a bunch of sports like in elementary school. I tried like baseball and soccer and shit like that. But I found wrestling 
found wrestling maybe was when I was about 12 years old. And man, I remember my first wrestling practice they were showing us like headlocks and it was like the hardest day of my life. And I was like, just instantly addicted to it. Uh, um, and, and 12 years old, they should uh, wrestle. Didn't you wrestle with your brothers and shit before then? Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. We, we played around and, and stuff, but uh, you know, as far as like being serious and, and, and being co- uh, extremely competitive inside of uh, a practice, it was, it was wrestling practice. And I was just, I was blown away, away by how hard it was, how fast paced it was. And just like me being absolutely exhausted after practice was uh, was very satisfying to me. So I always I always chase that. Like I always was always the guy to push hardest and uh, and really get leave it all out there. That was my that was my thing. It, it's crazy that you knew that at twelve. Do you know at twelve years old, uh, Nikki? I was like when we would do the presidential fitness exam, you had to run four laps. And what I would do is is I would run slow so that the kids would lap me. So that oh, wow. I could, so that I could come in and cheat. Yeah, no, I it was always a race for me, for sure. Everything was a was a competition. You know, if we were doing sit ups, I had to do the most. If we we're doing a race, I had to win. Uh, it was constant com- competition, and it would fucking hurt. Like if I would lose anything, it would, it would be physically painful. Uh, physically or like emotionally? I mean, if definitely emotionally, but I feel like I would, I would feel like, like my body was like I was just so let down. It would, it would hurt me. If I ever lost, man, and, and do you know where that comes from? No, I don't. I mean, I don't know where it comes. Your from. Your dad I, wouldn't a, be like, "Hey, you're a bitch. Get back in there and win." No, my parents were always, uh, were always like, "Listen, just do what you want." Like they never pushed me to do uh, athletic things, but they gave me the option. They, yeah, like we'll drive you to practice if you want to try. So I would come with, the, with to them with things I want to try. They they helped me get there and support me. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely just an internal thing that I had. Like I could, I think, I think from an early age, I was like, I need to learn how to beat everybody up. That's why wrestling was really uh, attractive to me. In, in the ninth grade, I, I, I was, uh, started wrestling at the high school. It wasn't with the high school. It was a city program at the high school. And then, and then a few months later, the, the, the high school season would have started. And in the city program, it was pretty cool because I was little so I wrestled all sorts of young kids and it was just awesome. I could just beat them all up. It was like fucking nothing. Yeah. And then, um, and then the high school season started and then there were fucking dudes five years older than me who were smaller than me and just beating the shit out of me. And like after the first practice or two practices, I started getting like headaches just from like just normal headaches from just getting beat up mm-hmm. and I quit and I quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, a, it, it's I not, fucking quit. It's a, it's a tough lifestyle. You know, it's not, not for everybody. Um, yeah, everybody's got to find their niche. Got to find what's a uh, what's a uh, you know perfect for them. I wonder. I wonder why you wanted to beat everyone up. Like, did you see a movie? Like, did you see like Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, or did you see something and you're like, or like you're like, hey, I I need to be on the top of that mountain. Could be. I mean, I was always a a fan of uh, uh what's the what's the the ape movie where there's like Caesar takes over the world. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, but the, like, the original one, you know, like the 1998 version or whatever. I remember I watched that movie like like a ton, and it was pretty uh pretty aggressive in the sense that the the chimps are you know trying to trying to win trying to take over the world. I don't know maybe that had some that had some uh got in some imbalance in me that wanted to you know build aggression or whatever. Yeah, that it, 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 it's it, and and then it's fascinating that not only you were like that, but you found such an amazing outlet for it. 
Yeah, yeah. It was it was like the the effort. Like I, I really enjoyed putting out as much effort as I can. Like when I when I would go to practice, I would try to learn, but I would try to I would try as hard as I could. And I felt like the more tired I got, the the better I got. Which isn't like you know, looking back at it, isn't like the best way to go about it because knowledge knowledge really is power. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just like I just wanted to exert as much energy as I could, and it just felt fantastic every time. Yeah, you found your drug. Um, um, my kids, uh, my kids' tennis coach said that the curse of kids is at the age of twelve, and I said why, and he said because at the age of twelve, a boy starts wanting to win, and the second you put winning over learning, you're fucked. And and tennis is crazy hard, super super steep learning curve, right? Yeah. Like my kid started when he's four, and he's when he's twelve, he still won't be, you know, a master at it. And uh, it, it sounds like you have you have figured out how to marry those two to, to still want to win, but not be afraid to lose. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm pretty scared to lose for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I love, I, I love winning. Right. I don't know this. I guess there's a transition where, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Danielle, you didn't get the dress code. What the fuck are you doing? What do you mean? <laughs> I just took my dog on a walk. And then I get this freaking text. Oh, Danielle, the show's today. Um, uh, Nikki, this is Danielle Brandon. Hi, nice to meet you, Danielle. Hello, nice she to meet t- you. She took tenth. You took tenth at the CrossFit Games this year. Yes. Yeah. Is that was that at uh, Round Rock? No, that was at Rogue, which I did oh. as well. Okay, very nice. That's a tough sport, man. I'm a I'm a big fan of CrossFit. I'm a fan of. Uh, you guys are one of the sports where you you guys look like superior athletes, and you can you can move like them too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had a, I I was making fun of Danielle. Well, on accident, kind kind on accident, uh, on the podcast the other day, and uh, I, I I took some cheap shots at her and. I did that to provoke her to come on. Cause the last two times we were supposed to have podcasts, she left me hanging. She didn't show up. So I had to like, I first I had to make fun of her and taunt her. And then I had to send her a picture of you, Nikki, and show you that you were going to be on the show. Oh, and then, bam, here she is. True. All right. You're the, you're the real reason I'm here, Nikki. That's oh, good to hear. That's <laughs> No problem. Um, uh, so, so Nick, it's it's interesting that Nikki was just saying about how he likes to push as hard as he can and leave everything on the table, and just mm-hmm. and, and and he did that in twelve years old in wrestling, and then he also said he's a fan of CrossFit, and then now I get it, right? I mean, that's what CrossFit is. It's like you're trying to go until the you're trying to push yourself as hard as you can, but the wheels can't fall off the bus until you cross the finish line. It's yeah. a, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. It is. Have you done jujitsu, Danielle? I actually have in high school. Um, I did judo, I think, but it was like that's like different. That was just on the ground. So, have you done jujitsu, Nikki? I mean, uh, have you done judo, Nikki? Uh, I mean, I've trained. Uh, I've trained some like judo type dr- throws. I mean, in uh, like nogi no, nogi judo is pretty much Gre- Greco Roman wrestling. It's like upper body throws and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done a bunch of that. That just trying to get better and learn. But uh, I'm not. I'm not a gi kind of guy. You know, I don't like. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, as little clothes as possible. It's my style. <laughs> He's Danielle. Danielle. He rolled out of bed, went to his bathroom, and we started the podcast. Are goes. you sitting on the toilet right now? No, I got a nice red stool under me. Oh, good. Yeah. 
Uh, Danielle, what are you up to? So you thought that you thought this podcast was next week. Yeah, I thought it was next week. Um, but my dog wakes me up at like six thirty, seven a.m. every day. So I went and took him on a walk. What kind of dog you got? A mini Schnauzer. Actually, oh, he's a okay. standard. He's not a mini. He's a standard. Very nice. I have a uh, a French bulldog. He's a bit of a handful. Oh yeah, mine is crazy. So you are going to have kids, uh, Nikki. That's the precursor, a dog. Uh, I mean, I really just had a dog. So I wanted a friend. No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we just hang out every day. Just cruising. Uh, Danielle, are you in Vegas? I am. And, and you're staying there? That's You're going to keep training there? Yeah, at least for another couple of years, probably. I don't see myself living here forever, but... And, and 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 this rogue event was in Austin. Yeah. And that I that, damn I didn't even make that connection. And that's where Nikki moved. You just moved there two months ago, Nikki. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I'm living in Austin two three months. Love it out here. Oh wow! Is there a good training group out there? Yeah, yeah. My whole team just kind of uh, moved to Austin, opened up a gym, and uh, we're loving it out here. Great food, great people. Oh wow! Yeah. Have, so you live in uh, you live in Vegas, right? Have you been to Chippendales? Been where? To Chippendales? No. No, okay. Haven't yet. <laughs> okay. Nikki, were you a Chippendale dancer? I was I was almost. So oh, I don't like you know, yeah. um, there is a crossfitter that was a Chippendale. I'm blanking on his name. He trains with in Nashville. Okay. I uh I went to like a uh an interview there and they uh I passed the interview, they offered me a job. This is like I must have been nineteen or twenty years old. Maybe twenty one actually. Twenty one, yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you take it? Yes. Well, because they were offering me like 60K a year um, standard and I could make like another 60 in tips or like, I don't know, whatever they consider it. Um, but yeah, it, was, it just wasn't that much money to like move across country. So it was just, yeah. Um, I would tell me about the audition for that, the job interview for that. Yeah. So they fly me out. I stay at, uh, I think the Rio and, um, Pretty much the interview consists, I had to go watch the show, which I'm like, all right, I'm fucking watching these guys shake their ass, and it just wasn't for me. Um, and then I, then I go do the interview, and I just have to dance in front of them with some music in the background. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, apparently I passed the test, but uh just wasn't my, my kind of lifestyle. So know? you can dance? I mean, I'm a jack of all trades, some would say. Oh my gosh, really? Dude, Nikki, is there you gotta publish, you gotta get that video, dude, and put that on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, they I, they might have a recording of it actually. Maybe. That's hilarious. Danielle, can you dance? I like to think I can. Yeah, yeah. I heard you could dance like a motherfucker. I heard at the uh CrossFit Games after party you were on some fucking balcony in this crazy dress dancing. I heard it was just like a, a friend of mine, I will not disclose his name, said it was like breathtaking. He said like you couldn't even look at her, you'd take your breath away. <laughs> Is that true? Were you on some balcony or something? I was. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Well, I love it. You've been on the show for uh, three minutes, and we are, and you already got Nikki telling us about. It. I, we were talking about his job at Home Depot, and you already got the Chippendale uh, story out. Of <laughs> and and I'm exposed. I, um, Nikki, I like how uh, casual you are about that in everything you say. 
um, everything's just so nonchalant. Yeah, I just needed to make sure that I, if I walk into a room, I, like I look around and I know that I can beat everyone up in the room. Yeah, I was, I was, I applied to be a Chippendale dancer. Yeah, I mean, everything's just so. Sounds kind of rough. You, you're saying it back to me. So it sounds kind of rough. <laughs> no, no, it's but. <laughs> and don't watch any of your podcasts. Don't go back and watch it. But you say it, and there's no like, there's no. Um, there's no WWE in what you say. There's no bravado. There's no arrogance. It's just like, um, yeah, that's my Ferrari parked over there. It's just, it just is. Try to keep it real with y'all. Yeah, just matter of fact. You have a Ferrari? Or is that a, was that a no. joke? No, I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. I'm a little too big to fit a Ferrari, to be honest. How big are you? Uh, I'm six three, but I'm a little a little wide. I've been in like a Lambo before to kind of tight. Oh wow! Oh yeah, you're big, six three. Wow. Yeah. How about you? You you got some height on you, right? I'm like five seven. Okay. Oh, you're sh- oh, okay. I thought you were way taller. On your, I saw, I was scrolling through your Instagram. You look like a like a six foot. I know. I look really lanky on there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I leveraged you too, Danielle. When I after he was gonna be, so he was gonna be on, and and he had said, and I had seen him. So basically, what happened is I knew who he was, and then he went and worked out with Jason Kalipa, and then I was, and then and then someone showed me a video of him and Jason working out, and like even before the video is over, I'm like quickly DMing him. I'm like, oh hey, will you come on my podcast? So I don't know. A day later, he responds, and then I'm like, what can I do to make sure this fucking guy comes on? And I go, oh, I'll just play him and Danielle against each other. I'll tell him. I'll send him Danielle's profile and be like, oh, she might join us because he likes CrossFit. And then I'll tell and I'll send Danielle Nikki's documentary and lure Danielle on. I was like, fuck, this is fucking brilliant, Savon. Yes, man with a plan right there. Um, are you? Do you ever go to Vegas, uh, Nikki? Uh, I mean, I've been there, been there for my 21st birthday. I've been there for the Chip and Dale's interview and maybe one other time. It's fun, but I never like, uh, I'm not, I'm not like a club kind of guy. I just go there and gamble a little bit. What, what, what about working out with Danielle and, and everything you do? She's just fucking crushing you at. Is that, is that, that, are you cool with that? So like some guy who's like just top of the food chain and then you go there and she, she runs faster than you. She lifts more than you. She just everything. She's just mopping you up. Are you good with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a learning process. You know, I definitely uh, I'm down to learn some stuff. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be some good content. It would be it would be amazing content. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be it, cool. It would it would be amazing content. Although Jason said you were a good CrossFitter. Oh me? Yeah. I mean, I just try hard. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say good. I mean, uh, I probably can't put up those numbers, but uh, I put out some effort for sure. Um, do you have any interest in going to the CrossFit Games? I mean, as a spectator? Yeah, I know, I'd, I'd love to watch. I was trying to go to the one in uh, the event in Round Rock, but I just got caught up in my in my academy. But uh, I would like to make it out. Um, Danielle, what did what did what did you get? Were people saying that I was bad mouthing you in your DMs? What happened? Hell yeah, they were like, you know, Savon talking shit. Every time I wear a little cute crop top, they say that Savon's going to come at you and attack you. <laughs> Every time. They're like, bet Savon wouldn't approve of this. Oh, that's awesome. I yeah. fucking love it. I love it. Yeah. I got so many screen recordings of you talking shit on that last podcast. You know, it's funny too, as... 
I, I can't remember exactly what I was comparing it to, but I basically, I, I, I called um, Nikki, I called Danielle Garnish. A garnish? Across, yeah. I mean, she's the 10th fittest woman in the world. I mean, it's fucking nuts. Her accomplishments, it's fucking ridiculous to, to say anything negative about her. She's, she's otherworldly and how she's done it. And she was a fucking collegiate athlete and she was a, a pole vaulter and there, there's no, and she's been on the podcast a couple of times and there's no, um, it, it, it's all hard work on her part. There's not nothing in fucking life has been given to her. She's a fucking special, special human being. It's fucking crazy. So, but I basically made a joke about her saying she had no chance of winning the CrossFit games and she was just fucking garnished, meaning just like one of the people there just to, just to, you know, part of the show, okay. like the guy Cirque du Soleil who rides the unicycle, but he doesn't got the star role. And, and as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, Oh, I'm fucked. I'm <laughs> fucked. I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh huh. D- Danielle, what what do you think is the hardest aspect of CrossFit? There's just so many things you have to be good at at once. Like the variety of like, you know, you have, like to, have, you have create- to be good while you're trying to get better at running and conditioning and gymnastics. You also have mm-hmm. to be getting stronger and, you know, able to lift heavy while also run very fast. You have to be able to train both of those things. And hopefully at the end of the season, come to a peak where you're really good at both. But a lot of people, I mean, just genetically, it's very hard to get stronger and faster at the same time. Because you guys are like the most well-rounded athletes, right? You, you have great strength. You have great cardio. You have great uh, balance, like especially with your handstands and stuff. That's, that's impressive. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. That guy, Adam Clink, what did he do? He did something crazy. Oh, uh, the – Five or six hundred pound back squat, and then yeah, the guy did a five hundred pound back squat and then ran a mile, all within five minutes, right? Yeah, sub five. Yeah, sub five minute mile, and then what? A hundred pull ups or something? I don't know. I don't know about that, but I I just remember that that him doing that and being like, holy shit! Um, when when he said that, what's the hardest thing about CrossFit? I started thinking like more bigger picture. I wonder what. Because there's times both of you want to quit, right? No, like, like if, during a training session. Or? No, but during the ma- so during a competition, do you ever want to do you ever want to quit, Danielle? Like you're 30 minutes into a fucking workout or 20 minutes at the CrossFit Games, you're doing Murph or something. No, I never want to quit. Fuck yeah, I like her. <laughs> I never want to quit. I'm never like, dang, I just want to stop. I'm I- like, this is shitty. It's probably hard because you have you have guys you have competition next to you and you're like you know you gotta you gotta beat them. I don't think when you're when you're competing you're worried about quitting. You're more so worried about like what's next. I think if you're if you have faults of like you know am I tired or am I do I want to quit? It's like kind of losing the battle already. Yeah, like if you're at that if you're like oh I want to quit like fuck you must be hurting bad. Yeah. Um. When when uh, we, there was a early on in the CrossFit um, world, there was a, a, a an athlete, a pretty you know famous athlete within the CrossFit world named Chris Spieler, and he was a collegiate wrestler. And one of the things he described, he, he said he liked CrossFit um, so much was no one's trying to stop you. Yeah, and and that and that is different, right? Because in Nikki's sport, like that's all that there is. There's just another dude trying to stop you the whole time from trying to do your shit. And with your right. sport, Danielle, it's just it's just you against you. Yeah. Daniel, can't what, blame what, anyone else. Right. What's what's so attractive uh, about CrossFit? Like, is it 
is it the independence of it? What's so attractive about it? Yeah, like what 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 really drew you in? You're like, oh, this is what I want to do. Probably, well, so grow, when I did sports like gymnastics, pole vaulting, and swimming and diving, I would say I picked up on them like pretty quickly. Um, you know, like there was, of course, frustrations within the sport and learning new skills and stuff. But with CrossFit, I wasn't great at everything right away. So I think that was really motivating. Mm. Like I was just like, dang, I want to be good at everything and it's really hard. And nobody just starts CrossFit and is good at every, like every aspect. So. And and in the same way, fucking schmucks like me who f- were getting picked after girls in high school sports, they can go to CrossFit and find something that they are good at. So like yeah. I was a fucking horrible f- athlete, but I could go to a CrossFit gym and there was some shit like, holy shit, I could beat everyone in here. This is weird because there's so much shit. Yeah. Right. Like, like you were saying, like, um, like Jason taught you the bar muscle up, right, Nikki? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so for me, that shit was just came just naturally. Like I didn't know yeah. one had to teach me that. It was like. No, that was the hardest thing I've done in a long time. Plus, though, you learn that in one session. You know some CrossFitters, that takes five years, and they still never get it. And you did it a day. It actually destroyed my hands. Like, putting the chalk on the hands and then trying trying some muscle ups, it was like my grips were gone. Yeah, that's a a son of a bitch. Um, And another thing that's – when you were say, asking um, Danielle what attracted to her to CrossFit, Danielle may have used sports differently than you did. Like, if I, as I recall, Danielle used sports as a way to change her life as a, in totality. Like, she was, she needed to, she had to be good at sports in order to make her life better. She was looking for a way out. She was looking for a, a change in reality. Like, she had hard, like hardships as as a, as a child. You know, like, okay, fuck, I better be good at this and 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 plow my way. Whereas yours was. Um, you want it to be top of the food chain. You're like, Hey, I need to like from a young age, you knew you wanted to beat every dude up who's in the, or you wanted to make sure that when you looked around the room, you felt best when you knew you could beat everyone up in the room. Right. Yeah, I, think, I think it's a security. That's thing. primal. That's yeah. That's primal. Dude, he said some crazy primal shit. In the show. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I, think, I, I think, wanted think, to start just eating a raw drumstick in the middle of the show now. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think skills like that just gave me a sense of security and uh, a little bit more confidence, just everyday life. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. Yeah. Um. When do you compete next, Nikki? Uh, I'm healing up from a uh a little banged up, so I got like a month or two, a couple months for I, I can compete. Is that what? So there's stuff you would want to do, but you're just not 100. percent yeah, I mean, I'm like, uh, I'm like 50, 50 percent. I'm so I'm training, training hard, training every day, but uh, you know, I'm not like uh, can't do everything yet. Wait, you're 50 percent? Is that what you said? That's low. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, 50, uh, okay, so <laughs> 50 50 percent for me is like when I'm competing, I'm never, I'm never going 100 percent, right? Because if I'm, go- if you have to sprint, if you have to go 100 percent, it's because you're losing. So, like in a match. Uh-huh. Uh, it's more jujitsu is more of a marathon, right? Cause matches can go 15, 20, 30 minutes. So it's how long can you keep, you know, your pace? Like my pace, my pace, I usually keep 50, 60% for, uh, you know, in practice it's for two hours. Um, so like if I have to sprint again, like I was saying, like you're kind of falling behind. So 50% for me, I can, I can beat everybody, uh, at 50% pretty, you know, pretty fairly. Wow. Um, and when do you compete next, Danielle? Maybe Wadapalooza. 
why maybe? I'm a little injured. So I was supposed to go to Dubai, but it was just too soon because I was pretty injured at Rogue. And then do we just like, you know, I started competing and we were like, should I pull out? Should I pull out? And then I was like, nah, it's too much fun. I was having too much fun competing. Now you know what it's like to be a guy. You just summed up a man's (laughs) life right there. Should I pull out? Should I pull out? Nah, it's just too much fun. (laughs) Exactly. And, uh, was going to go to Dubai, but then pulled out of that. And then I'm hoping I really would like to compete at Waterpalooza. Is it serious? What's going on? My back. I don't know. I uh, I'm getting an M- I'm seeing a doctor on Monday in hopes to maybe get an MRI. How, how's your headspace around it? You feel good about it, or you're just fucking like um, a bull trapped in a in the corral? It's just frustrating because it was rogue. Rogue. I was able to see a really good PT who kind of like yanked on me literally, and then kind of fixed it, but then it just shifted to the other side. Um, so then it was getting better though after rogue it was better and then literally just yesterday i was uh deadlifting which pulling hasn't really been hurting and then i just fucking can't even like bend over without oh, shit. like an idiot so we'll did you see. seize up in the gym like did you feel it go out and you're like oh fuck yeah like it literally felt like my spine was separating from my hips <laughs> like it's it's just so it's just it's just frustrating because i've been getting so much better um, in my condition, like with conditioning and skills and stuff. And then to kind of get set back with strength again is frustrating. Yeah, not that, that it's something I need, but <clears throat> what do you mean? It's not something you need like strength. I don't think is, I don't think I need like a long time on like a strength. Um, how do I put this? I don't need as long to build strength as like other things. Right. You know, um, like I took a lot of time off. I hadn't snatched since the games and then snatching at rogue that, that snatch event, the last event, that was the first time I touched a snatch since the games. Wow. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. And then like a week ago I was able to hit like 185, 190 consistently just right, like out of the blue. And I was like, I haven't even been snatching. So I was like, it must not be too bad taking time off of strength. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, uh, Nikki, in that video with you and Jason speaking of snatching, does how much does he weigh? Does he he weighed like when you were rolling with him two hundred five? Um, he, yeah, he's, yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Leva, what, do you, what do you think he weighs? No, he's got to be like two twenty. Is he okay? He's pretty dense, big boy. He's he's like, he's not as uh, as tall, but he's uh, he's pretty wide. It's great. He's so after. So I saw that video. I immediately texted him. I'm like, holy shit, you rolled with Nicky Rod. And he goes, yeah. He said it was super cool. And then, um, and then last night I was watching, or a couple nights ago, I was watching a video game. You literally, when you're like, is it side control or side guard? You're basically moving him around like he's a baby. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it, does it feel easy or do you just make it look easy? I mean, you literally have your arm around like literally like a baby. It's like you're you're just like just you just slide him around effortlessly. Yeah. And I'm I like, mean, holy fuck, that's Jason Kalipa. Yeah, it's a uh, knowledge is power, man. And I know quite a bit more than him on the graphic mat. So I just kind of had my way. Like he he's strong. He's fast. He's athletic. Uh, I mean, just like it's a, it'd be the same comparison if I hopped on a, you know, CrossFit 
uh, stage against him would be, uh, you know, be rough. Um, there's this, there's this thing that you, there's a, uh, something you say about when you're doing jujitsu matches that you just, when you're, when you're in there, you're trying to break their arms and break their legs. Mm-hmm. Like in the submissions, is that really true? Like, isn't there some part of you that just, um, you know, when you get someone in an arm bar that like, Hey, you should start lightening up a little bit. Um, no, no. When I go to competition, my goal is to break my opponent physically. And then, I mean, usually, usually their mind breaks first and then, then, then their body. So if you have someone in an arm bar, you're literally thrusting your hips up and trying to like snap their elbow and then they tap and you stop before it happens? Well, I mean, usually it breaks before they tap. You, have you actually, have you, has someone's arm broken in your hand? Oh yeah. I just posted a video of a guy, uh, me, uh, him and just broke his shoulder. Um, I broke in, I broke in two shoulders, three arms and, and two legs. My first time I heel hooked somebody, I actually blew his knee out. He was like carried out in a in a uh, in like a wheelchair. It's pretty. Do rough. you ever feel bad? I I used to think I would feel bad, but they're trying to do that to me. You no, know? so like if you have somebody trying to break your arm, you're like I'm gonna break his shit first. So yes, yeah, wow, game. damn. Uh, so so you don't even even as you get close to it, something inside of you doesn't say to stop. I'm trying to kill my opponent. Right, right. He's the, the the thing is right. If you if you let up, like I'm pulling, I'm breaking a guy's arm, and you and they're like, you feel like they're gonna tap, and they fake tap, and then they just scramble and they they get away. It's like that that stuff happens. They they fake like they're gonna tap, they stop, you loosen up, and then they pull it out. And it's like you can't have that. You know they know what they know what they're signing up for. Just like I know what I'm signing up for. If a guy gets into my legs or gets in in a submission, he's gonna try to break me. So you know. There's this guy, um, Danielle, his name is uh, Gordon Ryan, and he's considered the best guy ever. And, at, and when uh, Nikki had only been doing um, jiu-jitsu for eight weeks, he started training with this guy, which is just weird and unheard of. It, it, it needs to be a whole podcast going through the minutia of how that – those eight first eight weeks. But um, when you first get in there with him – you would think that even the greatest black belts in the world would show deference to him, but something about me makes about you makes me think you showed no deference. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, you just went at him and just took his back. I did take his back uh, for first, uh, first practice for sure. I had, I had, I had a really innate ability to get to people's back just, just cause of wrestling. Um, and again, like I have, like a, you take a guy like Gwen Ryan and he's forced to, to pull guard on me because he doesn't wrestle. You know, he, he can't, he doesn't. He can't stand with me on the feet because he's he's intimidated, or he just he just understands that you know I'm levels above him in the wrestling department. So uh, you you're forced into pull guard, and you know he has to play off his back. Then that's a defensive position to start with. But did you take it easy on him at first, like out of respect, like like when you go in there, you're like, hey, this guy's the best in the world. I'm I'm just gonna just feel him out, or is it just like just two rocks just come at each other? Yeah, no, we just go to war every day. It, it's it's amazing to me because because you know what I'm talking about right like if you uh, my my goal every time I go to practice is to, to be the best guy in the room and if there's a guy better than me you know we gotta make sure we take him out and even even on day one there's never like a feeling out period or anything it's just like hi Gordon I'm Nikki let's go and then bam yeah. the two rocks just collide the first day we practice right like how long are our practice rounds usually five minutes. The first time we shook hands and trained together, we went for 30 minutes straight. No break. Just 30 minutes grappling straight. 
and then uh, I'm just start doing that every day. Wow! So you don't even know the dude. Isn't that amazing that two dudes were you shirtless when you did that? A rash guard? Uh, no, I was shirtless. Shirtless. Yeah. Was he shirtless? No, I started. I think I started the shirtless trend in, in jujitsu. People kind of like it. I don't know. It gets more views on Instagram. So off the top, yeah. Of my head. Fuck yeah! Everyone wants to see a human, beautiful human body move around. Appreciate um, that. Yeah, that's that's ninety percent of CrossFit. Um, uh, so you just walk into this room. You've never met the dude. You never Facetimed him before. You obviously have seen his videos. Um, and they're like, okay, you want to roll with Gordon? And you're like, yeah. And then you and Danaher puts you two together, and that's it. You guys just fucking just two dudes just start tangling like just fighting spiders. So he knew I was a, a wrestler, so we shook hands, we wrestled. I put him down a couple times. And, uh, and are people and is everyone in the room watching, or does oh, everyone yeah. try to oh, act yeah. cool and not watch? If we're training, the whole room pretty much stops and just watches us. So okay. we're tra- we're training, and like it's usually supposed to be like five or ten minute rounds. And that's like when Danielle was dancing at the games. By the way, everyone just stopped and watched. Yeah, anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah. So we're uh, we're we're training and. Uh, Pretty much, I feel like in jujitsu and grappling or in wrestling, like how you really get to f- find out who somebody is, is by training with them. You know, like, do they give up when they're tired? Do they keep going? Uh, how long can you keep that, you know, that cognitive uh, thinking when you're exhausted? So I feel like, uh, you know, more than words, you know, your body language when you're grappling is how you really get to find out who somebody is. Wow. Wow. And and are, are there things that dudes do out of desperation when you're competing with them that like give you signs like oh shit I must be really winning he's he's yeah. got his fingers in my ribs now that and that's not a normal thing it'll be a uh, body language like I see a guy breathing through his mouth I look him in his eyes and he you know you can see a little bit of that one there or you see him look at the clock you're like you want it to be over so yeah there's, there's a few telltale signs I listen to the breathing. I see what I see you, uh, the way their eyes look, if they're peeking at the clock, if they, if they're trying to, if they're on bottom, they, they're just trying to stand up and get away. Um, and I just keep holding them down. Like it gives you a kind of understanding where you are in the round. There was something you said in there about, uh, in one of the podcasts that like, that basically being underneath a 240 pound man who's sweating is literally like drowning. It's like drowning. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I spent a lot of my, uh, like the first two years of grappling. Danielle's so, like, sign me up. <laughs> I would love to be underneath a 240 pound sweating woman. Yeah. Put me, put me down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. There's a, yeah. It's tough being stuck onto somebody. Cause like, like, you know, all you want to do is stand up and get away and you just, you just can't, you know, you're laying on your back. You have this guy on top of you and you're forced to, you know, make, uh, make adjustments and, and you're forced to learn mid match. And it makes you tough, you know. You know, if uh, if you've never been held down before, and you're then you're being held down, you just have no option. Um, yeah, it's a it's a few mental adjustments that you have to make and, and things that you have to work through, and then like to drive to practice again the next day and fucking do it all over again. It's uh, yeah, it's rough, but it's good. I'm a lot, I'm a lot better now. So, Danielle, you should take up this sport. I know. Come rolling, just... Austin, girl. Whenever you're you're in Texas, oh. come swing by. I, when I think of you, I think of you as, I don't know why, I think of you as probably one of the tougher CrossFit Games athletes. Like you're made for this shit, Danielle. That sounds fun. Did you, have you ever pole vaulted, Nikki? Yeah, I did. I did it in high school. I think I, I got like 11 foot, but I only did it like, uh, I did it for like a day or a couple or a week or two. More, more in practice, never in competition though. 
She, um, Danielle was a scholarship athlete at, at uh, in Sacramento, California, as a pole vaulter, and she oh, actually really? quali- she actually qualified for some of the highest uh, level CrossFit events while she was in college, but didn't go because she had to honor her scholarship to. to her Th- that's one of the more, more scary uh, things on the track and field: the pole vault because they're so high, and you see people get fucked up pole vaulting. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen people like break their femurs, flip over the mat, a lot of concussions. What's your highest pole vault? About 14. Yeah. Wow. That's up there. And you have like, the record at the college, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And did you, and you had the record and then you broke your own record, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. You guys are fucking amazing. Yeah. It's fun. Um, I have to go take my kid to uh, San Jose, California to his uh, fourth jiu-jitsu tournament. Oh, really? Voice. Yeah. This morning. Oh, that's sick. What? Um, I can't believe I'm staring at both of you. I wanted to, I wanted to just see both of you on the same show. I think the world of, of both of you, I think that it's really important that there's human beings like you guys on the planet that show what the, the rest of humanity, what men and women can really do, what they look like, how you can be a cool person and still just pursue at the highest level. So I appreciate uh, your guys' time. A, a shitload. Danielle, I, I – I don't, I don't believe in God, but I'm going to pray that you have a speedy recovery. And, uh, I, and I really mean that I, I want the best for you. I love you to oh. death. I think you're awesome. Oh, um, thank you. Thanks for letting me pick on you from social media. And Oh, bye Nikki. I was, I was God talk. No, I was so excited. To, I was so excited to have both you guys on and see both oh. you guys on the same show. Me too. That's fun. I'm glad I hopped on. There's a, there he is. There's, I, I, I like this term man child. Um, I think yeah. it's just, and I, when I think of Nikki Rod, I think he's a man child. He's just like, he, he's, he's a, a boy who turned into a man and it's just like, just the most amazing. And I, and I was like, Oh, and Danielle Brandon's a woman child. She's like this, a, a little girl who's just turned into a super woman. Oh, I love um, it. So thanks for your time, you guys. And, uh, we should do it again sometime. Of course. So, sounds good, man. Thank you. All, All right. right.